A few weeks ago, I produced an episode titled The Berenstain Bears and the Big Mope, and it was just me complaining about the fact that I can't get over the fact that I'm probably going to die one day without leaving anything behind to be remembered by except this show. And does that really count? Because if you just talk about another person's work of art, is that really something to leave behind? I mean, I mean, I guess there are professional critics who that is what they're famous for. So, yes. But is this kind of engagement something to leave behind? And it just got me thinking even more and harder about the Berenstains and what they've done and this world they created. And it turns out that you can't explore the works of any artists, living or dead, without being hit from all sides by this concept of legacy. I'm back on legacy. And the Berenstains have a legacy. The very fact that I have spent four years deep inside the world they created is all the proof you need that they have a legacy. This is the definition of a legacy. Hundreds of stories, activity books, puzzles, dolls, video games, board games, two television series, three stage shows, a chain of theme parks, and a bizarre internet conspiracy theory. That's a legacy. You've left something behind to be poured over and talked about and dissected. But this is the big question. Should it be? Is it fair? Is it at all cool for a... Well, it's not cool. Okay. It's not cool. Like, just let's... I'm just going to own up right now. This is not cool. This is nothing that I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. But is it cool for a... Cool in the sense that, like, is it proper? Is it cool for a 42-year-old man to put a pile of disposable children's entertainment under a microscope to explore it from angles the creators never imagined it would be explored. So I was thinking about this, and then I thought, yeah, but it'd be pretty cool if someone did that to me. And then I thought about a quote that I come back to all the time. When I first conceived of the idea of doing this show, I wrote to the Berenstain company, not knowing who I'd be talking to, and got a response. Back from Mike. Uh, I told him that I was going to be doing a show that was going to examine the works at the time of his just of his parents, uh, book by book, and that I was going to take sort of an investigatory eye to it. Not, It wasn't going to be one of those podcasts to just make fun of something from your childhood, but I really wanted to give each book a fair read. and But also with the, with the caveat that I wasn't going to be necessarily overly kind to them if I thought that they fell down on their job, if I was going to call out the books that I thought were weak links in the chain. And he said, and this is a direct quote, no engagement that deep could only be uncritical praise. And I think about that quote often because, not because just because he justified what I'm doing, but also because he said, no engagement that deep could only be uncritical praise. And I was impressed that I was doing something that he considered deep engagement. And I bring this up because, in a way, Mike Berenstain said, yeah, it is cool. This is cool. You're free to do it. Go right ahead. So that left me with this show and this world, this bear country and Stan and Jan's place in it. And in order to understand this whole project, it's worth taking a deep look at the world they created. (music) 
Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear Cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and we're going to take a little more of a look at bear country in general. Now, I may talk about some things in this. I'm going to talk about some things in this episode I've already discussed, but that I haven't really touched on in a while. And I'm honestly just trying to get my thoughts together around this because I've been thinking about things for a long time and haven't really done a hot wash on the show in a while. Haven't really seen, you know, where I've come from where I've been and how my thoughts on bear country in general have changed as the years have gone by. So I just want to take a brief episode to regather my thoughts, take a look again at this world that I'm investigating and the characters in it with a few detours and, you know, side conversations. Stanley and Janice Berenstain met in art school in 1941. This is back in the days when you could go to art school and like expect a career out of it. You got to get hired out of art. Like people needed artists, is what I'm saying. Like it's not. I mean, I mean, I, I understand art school is a totally legitimate thing to do. Anyone can go to art school. If you go to art school, I love you. You're wonderful. You're so talented. You're going to go places. However, back in the day, and you know, like 1941. You could go to art. You could be like, wow, we just came out of this crippling Great Depression. And like, I need to guarantee work and uh, income for my family that I'm going to start soon. I need something that'll like that is there and stable and that the, the work will never dry up. Art school. And people would be like, good, good, good. Because, you know, there was Madison Avenue. People needed illustrators. They needed artists and illustrators. So they met in art school in 1941. They married in 1946. They had their first kid in 1948. And that whole time, they never stopped being a massively successful art couple. And they were so weird in how normal they were. From everything I've been able to glean, they were never anything but a fairly down-to-earth couple of working parents who raised two kids while fashioning an empire. And it sounds easy, but it probably wasn't easy. If you think about it, by the time The Big Honey Hunt came out in 1962, Stan and Jan had a teenager and a preteen. They had been publishing their cartoon, It's All in the Family, in McCall's since the mid-50s. They'd had a daily strip called Sister in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch for three years. Colliers regularly published their full-page spreads of domestic mayhem. Stan and Jan, they were almost 40. They had established reputations in the art world, in the illustration world, and in the cartooning world. They weren't unknowns. The only place they didn't have a reputation was in the world of fine art, but that's mostly a product of circumstance. I fully believe. I fully believe that they were that they were both just they were accomplished painters and they could have been very successful if they'd gone in that direction. And instead they decided to like earn earn money, like make money, like doing doing just as legitimate work. They didn't and they did nothing by half measure. If they were going to have a successful book series, they were going to have the most successful book series. And this isn't just a product of ambition. It's a product of survival. If there's one thing I learned from Mike Berenstain in our many chats, and I've learned a lot from Mike Berenstain in our many chats, it's that the children's book industry from the beginning on is a nightmare of jockeying for position at the front of the line. I mean, unlike, you know, adult publishing. And remember, they jumped into this when the children's book industry was just a few years old, uh, Ted Geisel uh, and his uh, and his cohorts, they had started the beginner books in just the late 50s with the cat in the hat. And while there had been quite a few books published under the beginner books, like headline heading, when the Berenstains came in, it was still a fresh thing. This was a young industry. And obviously, children's books had been written before then, but it wasn't it wasn't a thing like kids were still expected to just 
deal with books. And it was Geisel and the people who inspired him who who said, you know what, like simple readers can be fun and engaging and kids can love to learn to read and not just have to learn to read. And what Stan and Jan did in the 50 odd years in between the big honey hunt and Jan's death in 2012 was strike this balance. And it's still going on, by the way. Mike is still maintaining this, but it's this is something that those two established right from the get-go. So they strike a balance between artistic integrity and product development because they were never going to give up like all this, like all the control, all the wonderment, the world they'd created. They were never going to hand it over. Even when television came sniffing around and they came early on, the Berenstains wanted to have a firm hand in how their characters were written, drawn, voiced, and storied. They had a vision for Bear Country, and they weren't going to let anyone outside of their trusted creators who they knew dictate what that vision was. They worked intimately with the producers and the writers, the songwriters, the scorers, everyone who had any say in what ended up on screen as far as the Berenstain Bears went, had to go through Stan and Jam. They were quality control experts because they understood the bears. They understood the Berenstain Bears. And in order to understand the Berenstain Bears, it's important to understand the makeup of bear country. And over the years, the bits and pieces they've dropped here and there, and a lot of this information, a lot of this comes from the chapter books. If you were a chapter book listener, and I'm not even done with them yet, you know that the chapter books are chock-a-block with lore. So much lore, I could never get into all of it. One day, I would love to write an encyclopedia of bear country just to fill everybody in on what a wackadoo place this is with its histories and realities, its religions, its old world beliefs, the monsters, the mayhem, the crimes, and the capers. It's, there's so much there. There's just so much there. But the first thing you have to understand is that Bear Country is not the name of their town. And this is a mistake that even I slip up and make sometimes. Bear Country is not the name of their town. It's not the name of their neighborhood. It's not a place in a song. I mean, it is a place in a song. But Bear Country, and I'm not, and I'm not don't worry, I'm not leading up to like, it's inside a song. No. Bear Country is the actual country in which the books take place. There's no such thing as the United States of America in the Berenstain Bears universe. And this may come as a surprise to many listeners, especially those who, who weren't with us earlier. But this book series does not take place in our world. This isn't happening right around the corner. This takes place parallel to our world, maybe layered on top of our world. Like if there was actually a crack in reality, then maybe the bears could step through. But it takes place in this alternate approximation of our world. But bear country is definitely bear country with its own flag, its own laws, its own history, and its own sociological implications. That's right, big words. This is a world that used to be populated by a variety of animals and is now populated almost entirely by brown bears. Now, I know that there are animals in bear country, and when I say populated, I mean citizen-wise. Who responds to the census? Brown bears. And we know a few things about the history of bear country that were made explicit in those big chapter books and the 
cub books, the cub scout, the bear scouts books. Don't ever let the the bear scouts books have. Oh boy, those things they ride off in all kinds of directions. And one of the events from bear country history that to me has some of the biggest implications in the sociological makeup of bear country, the way the characters respond to each other, the way we should respond to bear country and look at it. And again, this none of this is hyperbole. I'm not making any of this up. All interpretations are my own, but this is this is straight from the straight from the horse's mouth. The big event that we always have to keep coming back to is the Great Bear War. And I feel like the Great Bear War is the linchpin on which all of bear country history hinges. The Great Bear War uh, was this war <laughs> that took place between two family lines, uh, the Grizzly Clan and the Bear Clan. This is a thing along the lines of Hatfields and McCoys, but on like a national level. The Grizzly Clan were presumably great grizzly bears, and the bear clan were like your basic brown bears, understanding that grizzlies are a type of brown bear, but not all brown bears are grizzlies. So the grizzlies were like this offshoot of the brown bear clan. I assume the brown bear clan, the bear clan came first. The grizzlies grew up out of it centuries ago. Now, somewhere along the line, this enormous schism occurred, uh, resulting in this gigantic feud between the two clans, which honestly carries on into modern times. Uh, there's this simmering resentment at the heart of all relations in bear country. And all it takes is this, like a spark to rekindle that flame. In the book, uh, The Berenstain Bear's New Girl in Town, for example, when Squire Grizzly's niece, Bonnie Brown, shows up, she shakes things up in bear country just by being there. Old resentments come to the forefront, and bear country is it's shook. It's just it's literally shook from the foundation. Residents come to arms against each other with blows in the streets, and weapons are produced. We, we almost get a second bear civil war because the bear war, the Great Bear War, was their equivalent of our civil war, the American Civil War. And we know this by the iconography they use in the design of their uniforms by the presence of their weapons, and by the rough era in which it seems to take place, uh, like late 19th, like mid, mid to late 19th century. And, uh, and it, it pitted, and I don't want to say it pitted brother against brother, it pitted a cousin against cousin at least, uh, because you can't, like, brother against brother, that wouldn't make any sense, because this, this is a long family line. So obviously the ideology is different, but it's family lines, and... We know that the Civil War happened, but because this is this is their civil this is so we the, this Civil War equivalent occurred. But we also this leads us to believe that slavery, the slave trade, never existed in Bear Country, and presumably Bear World. There's never mention of slavery in any of their histories. There's no mention of it as a being one of the causes of the Great Bear War. So if you're following along the timeline of a history book, you'll realize that the absence of slavery has several implications in the history of an America equivalent. Uh, it, it, would, it would affect the, fa the founding of the country. It would affect uh, the early economic structure of the country it would affect the the battle for independence which i believe we have an example of having occurred we know that there was a there's a they celebrate the fourth of july so there had to have been a struggle for independence but this would have affected the way the 
constitutional convention was convened. It would have affected the way uh, the Articles of Confederation were were written originally. It would have affected uh, the debates uh, for you know uh, the, the Constitution and the amendments to the Constitution. Like, everything would have been different. Um, and I think that is apparent in the way bear country is structured, in the way bear country law is structured, uh, the laxity of law in some occasions. But uh, so, so you see, there's there's equivalent. It means that slavery was not a part of the development of the Great Bear South, which we also know exists because they have a cousin who lives in the bear country version of Texas. We know that since there was no slave trade, at least in bear country, and I, I'm going to believe that if there was no there were, if there were no slaves in bear country, I'm going to be. I'm going to have to believe it was because there was no slave trade in general, because that was just. I mean, at least not into, not up through, not as long. I mean, it just doesn't seem to have affected uh, bear country. It just doesn't seem like it was part of their world. And so we know that there was no slave. So if we know there was no slave trade, that would mean that the notion, the inequality of the races in bear country, is a completely different. Well, I hesitate to use the word animal, but we'll get there. Uh, and the absence of mitigating factors that would lead to the segregation of races of bears is supported by the notion that there doesn't seem to be an equivalent of uh, descendants of, of the bear world equivalent of African slaves in bear country. There's no, I don't even know what you would call the equivalent of African Americans in bear country because there's no America. But it just seems to me that all bears, more or less, are brown bears. Now, we have seen in the Berenstain Bears' new neighbors that there are pandas, which are a different type of animal. Uh, we also know, I believe, there is a presence of polar bears. The, they're only referred to, but we have heard tell of polar bears. Don't know where they fit in. But as I, as I said before, when I said the word animal earlier, it's because in matters of race, things aren't simple. And the Berenstain, Stan and Chan, uh, they decided to address race in the books by introducing different species of animals. Now, originally in the series, you had dogs, you had cats, you had pigs and goats. Uh, you're sharing, like, they had developmentally like similar animals. Like They shared intelligence. They wore the same kind of clothes. They were simply just sort of like, they all lived in this like big, the big farmyard that is the world. Uh, it was just this world of animals, uh, kind of like Zootopia, just this world of animals. And over time, uh, intelligent animals became fewer and far between. And we can assume this happened around the time Bear Country, as a nation, uh, decided to put its foot down in a weird way and say, you know, we're here for the bears, but this isn't a place for everyone else. So that raises the question of whether or not Bear Country covers the entirety of what we think of as the United States of America, or if perhaps their version of like Canada is pig country. And I'm not saying that that's not, that's not to like say, like I'm not saying Canada is pig country. And that, that's not like what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, okay, let's dove country. Or maybe I don't know. Or like Mexico is like goat country. I don't know, but perhaps the various archipelagos have their own animal ecosystems. We don't know. These things aren't addressed because whatever, but we don't know how big bear country is. We, we, can, we assume it's from sea to shining sea, but it may not be. Or it may not be as tall as America is. I don't know. But the point I'm going to get at is that when Stan and Jan decided to finally address race in uh, the Berenstain Bears and the Busy Beavers, the Berenstain Bears and the Neighborly Skunk, and the Berenstain Bears' new neighbors, uh, they used animals. 
uh, beavers and the beavers, skunk and the skunk, pandas and new neighbors. And the use of animals is interesting, uh, species in particular, because in the world of children's literature, different animal species are often introduced as a stand-in for different races and, and people. And if you want to talk about race in like a children's book, It'll be like, it's a world of dogs, and they sure do hate the cats, but at the end of the day, aren't we all just animals deep down inside? It's kind of the idea. You could bring up the notion of, like, we can't see past our differences, just get along. The problem is, and this is a big problem in children's literature, in fantasy literature, uh, even into, uh, like, science fiction literature, uh, which is it's using different animals and different species to represent different races is an extraordinarily flawed juxtaposition. Um uh, because if you say like, oh, oh, look, there's those beavers that are moving in next door. I sure don't like those beavers. They're so busy all the time. They don't know how to stop and have fun. And and another character can call that character out and say, look, they're just like you and me. And they're really nice people. So just get to know them. And the problem is prejudice is introduced in children's stories as like it's a generalization about an entire group of people. So when you say like, oh, beavers are always busy and they don't know how to have fun. That would be a horrible thing to say. If you were writing a children's book and the main character was like, oh, those Irish, they sure do drink a lot. As a publisher, you'd be like, "That's I don't want to publish your stories anymore. Uh, so you use animals and instead. And you say like those, and the problem is in a children's book about the Irish, which, okay, a children's book about the, <laughs> that'd be a really weird thing for anyone to write in 2019. I don't even know why you would introduce the subject. And I, I mean, I guess you can write a book about the Irish being discriminated against, uh, but I don't know if like any kids like who need like need a book about don't be don't be prejudiced against the Irish. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know enough about how the Irish are like, in in town. I'm just saying, I'm not I'm not focusing on the Irish here because uh, for any particular reason. I'm just saying that like it's it's if you were trying to do a book about discrimination, you wouldn't have the main characters just spout out like random stereotypes about these people and then never have them like proven wrong because if you did introduce that into a book the end result would be wow you have a lot of bizarre notions about what it means to be irish you know we met the family they're nothing like that and so that would be so the idea would be like, like behind all these stairs all these stereotypes don't listen to these stereotypes like break down the stereotypes like hey don't listen to the stereotypes it's not good they're not right we don't need that we don't need that in our community it's a bad thing to think about that's bad and that's why children's books like that's what children's books are for and what i'm, what I'm trying to make is that when you take those ideas those ideas, like don't don't have these bad stereotypes about certain groups of people. When you have those ideas and you put them on an animal, like say the beavers, and you say those beavers sure are industrious. They work a lot and they don't know how to have fun. And then you get down to the heart of the matter. You can't say that's a false stereotype because beavers actually are industrious and they don't really ever stop working. That's what beavers do because they're beavers. And since the bears in bear country are meant to represent human beings in general, there's bears of all different sorts. There's bears, hardworking bears, there's criminal bears, farmer bears, library bears, and doctor bears, and dentist bears. There's all kinds of bears in bear country. And there's single with kids bears, and there's uh, divorced bears, and there's happy bears and sad bears. There's confirmed old bachelor bears. And there's all kinds of cubs. There's bullies and nerds. There's an exchange student. There's kids with disabilities. There's... Bears all over the place because they represent us. They represent people in general. And if we want to do a book about prejudice, what you really should do is different kinds of books about those bears. Maybe some bears have a different pattern of fur. Or some bears have 
you know, they come from different places to the extent that they explore that in the books. You know, book, like, like when they explored about disability in, in the books. So like nerds, when they explored nerds in the book about nerds. And you, know, you don't judge people on how they look or how, you know, like if they're different or whatever. You want to get down to the nitty gritty with racism. You don't bring in new animals. You know, the beavers, the skunks, the panda bears. Because the problem is, is when you have a book whose central theme is supposed to be don't prejudge people because deep down inside we're all the same. That doesn't hold water when it's bears referring to skunks. Because no matter how nice that skunk is, deep down inside, he's still a skunk. You know, like, and so when your initial response is like, oh, we don't want a skunk living next door, he smells really bad. It ends up becoming not, you know, oh, Papa, we visited that skunk. And you know what? You were wrong. Skunks don't smell bad. That's a terrible stereotype. No, it's like we visited that skunk. And you're right. He smells really bad. So we did him a favor. And now he won't spray at us. Can only spray our enemies. That just supports the prejudice that you went in there with. I guess what, everyone? Skunks smell bad. Or when they're like, hey, those beavers sure are busy. They don't know how to have any fun. That would be what the message should be like. You know, like, well, we finally met those beavers. Turns out they're just like me and you. They do hard work in their own way, but I work hard in my own way. And we only happen to see them when they're working on one thing. But they have their own games and they have their own fun. And But it turns out the beavers, they don't ever stop working in the book. They don't ever stop working. And they have to, the Berenstain Bears have to teach them how to have fun. Because they're, they're starting to annoy us with all their incessant work. Because you know why? They're beavers. And that's what beavers do. They're not bears. Or, hey, those bears look weird. I bet they have all kinds of weird beliefs and dietary habits, and they're building weird bamboo. There's something strange about those bears. Let's go meet them. Where it should be, you know, like, we all went, we met them, and they've got some, you know, like, you know, they're, they're not like me and you in all ways. They've got some different habits, different customs. But they're bears, just like you and me. Instead, pandas are a whole other kind of animal. And they do different things. They have different diet. Like, they can't eat regular bear food because they'll die. And so, like, those aren't customs. That's like them... Like fighting for survival. That's like, oh, we we moved to an area with no naturally occurring bamboo. We've got a plant. Like, that's. I mean, you can share that, but that's not like that's not what humans are. I mean, we all have our different needs and we have our different abilities and stuff. But deep down, we're all basically human beings. And the pandas aren't basically bears, and the beavers aren't bears. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in Zootopia. It doesn't work in Bright. It doesn't work in most fantasy because fairies aren't humans. They have magical powers because dogs aren't elephants and orcs aren't, I don't know, centaurs. It's just, that's what fantasy, aliens aren't human. Like we are those, when you start introducing that and try to do prejudice based on the X-Men are prejudiced against, they're all really nice. Most of them, but they are not regular people. Like, they're not they have magical powers they can shoot laser beams and fly like that's it they, they have they're not even homo sapiens they're homo superior they call themselves superior and i'm not saying that they should be treated poorly but i'm saying that the one-to-one -one doesn't work if you're going to do a story about prejudice you have to do a story where there's 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 like a base there's a base there there's like a base reality <laughs> and when you have bears dealing with prejudice against beavers and then the beavers just end up being beavers and so of course they're different from bears your your whole like thing falls apart it all falls apart is what i'm saying that's 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 what it's that's what it's about a dog isn't a person if i wrote a book and it was like that someone was like there's a really that's a dog and it's foaming at the mouth and it looks really mean and i was like don't worry dogs are just like people we're all the same deep down just go ahead and introduce yourself and then because the dog you know like we just gotta let just because the dog looks not like us or like 
oh, I can go. Should I go into this bobcat enclosure? And I'd be like, of course, because just deep, we're all the same deep down inside. We all want the same thing. No, because they're different animals. They're different animals. You wouldn't do that in real life. If I saw a bird in a tree and I was like, I want to go meet that bird, I wouldn't be like, hey, bird, can we talk? That's not how it works. The bird will fly away because birds don't like, those don't like people. Birds don't know what a person is like. They're like, they're just like you. You can't say that deep down inside you're nothing like a, like, does that make sense? I'm just trying to say that in bear country, there's only bears. And there was never an African slave trade in bear country. Uh, I've gone on way too long. This is way too long. But these are just some thoughts I wanted to get out about bear country. I know I've talked about them before, but I'm trying to put them together. So uh, come see my show. I promise not to spend the whole time talking about racism in bear country. Uh, maybe I'll talk about the Sentinels, the Standing Stones, and the fact that there's a monster living on top of a mountain in bear country called Big Paw. I don't know. Maybe I will. Uh, but May 24th, I will be performing live at Moon Palace Books. Uh, there's a Facebook thing through Deep in Bear Country, an event. So you can find it on there for more information. And uh, if you're interested in coming, if you live in the Twin Cities, come see my live show. It'll be fun. Uh, plus, I need people there. Lots of people. If you listen to this show and you don't live in the Twin Cities, but you know someone who does, write to them and say, go see this show on May 24th. It starts at 6, get there at 5.30, get a pizza, sit down, eat some pizza, drink a drink, some beer or wine, and or yeah, something else, and watch me while you eat, and we'll have a good time. And all right, that's it. Uh, my name is Phil, and I'll see you next time deep in bear country. <laughs>